right, how many of you guys are ready for At The Movies? Coming in October. Hey, you know, the thing I love about Timber Creek Church is there are uh, these easy on-ramps, these incredible opportunities for you to invite somebody. We want to be an inviting church, and I hope you, you walk in and on, into, uh, onto the Lufkin campus or right there in Nacogdoches, and, and, and you feel inviting. Like, these are welcoming people. These are some of the most friendly people. We ought to be. We ought to be, right? We ought to, someone say amen for... <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be. Uh, we ought to be the most inviting church. Uh, and, and like, we also ought to be the most inviting church. And uh, there we go. Come on now. And, uh, and so you ought to get out and invite somebody. If you believe that, hey, if, if God's doing something in your life here and, and you're finding great community here and you're growing, uh, invite somebody to come along the journey with you. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, first and foremost, come and see. Come and see. Hey, Simon, you think this is cool? You think all this fish in your boat is cool? Let's go catch people. Come and see. Let's go. The next thing he said, come follow me. Come follow me and begin to learn and grow in these things. And like, uh, you know, in, in this, in, and this is how we teach and this is how we provide. And this is, you know, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Come follow me. And eventually Jesus would say to his disciples, come die with me. Pick up your cross and follow me. And by that point, Peter's like, man, there ain't nobody else that has the words of life like you, Jesus. I'm following. Whatever you say, you know. And so we're all in this kind of process. And I'm just saying, as a church, we ought to come. We ought to be the people that say, come and see. Just come and see what God's doing. And I know that's you. I know that's you there in Nacogdoches and online and Dieball Duncan. I know you guys are inviting people at the movies. is a great spot to do that. Well, uh, my name is Dan. I'm the campus pastor of Nacogdoches, and uh, I got some NAC people here today, and, uh, and so um, I'm so glad for the opportunity to, to get to speak today, and I want to honor our pastor, uh, the amazing man that he is, uh, incredible example of a man of God, um, loves his family, loves this church, has the call of God in his life, is an incredible communicator. Would you just honor our pastor this morning? <laughs> pastor Jeremy, we love you. And, uh, you know, this opportunity, it's not like he just throws a bone to his staff from time to time. And um, he actually trusts us to be able to communicate the word. And, and so I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And so we're right here in the middle of our table series. And I want you to know we're going to talk about something today that I, like, if we're giving ourselves grades, I get like, uh, D is for diploma, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm not great at this. So I just want to, like, hey, we're going to talk about some, some heavy stuff today. And I just want you to know as we're talking about what it really means to be, like, restful and Sabbath and, like, some of this kind of stuff, I'm just not great at this. And, uh, and so I want you to know I'm speaking from the standpoint of Jesus is still working on me. Is that okay? We all good? So a few years ago, and when I say a few years ago, like back when I was 18 years ago, um, I was dating this beautiful woman on the front row, Laura, and um, she's, uh, she is one hot mama. Uh, she loves it when I do that. Um, we were dating, and, uh, and, and I picked her up one night, and we're going to go have a fancy meal at the local uh, Burger King. And, uh, you know, I'm going all out. You can have a double cheeseburger this time. And, uh, and so I had picked her up in uh, my beautiful ride, the Chevy Corsica. What are you laughing for? That's a beautiful car. My four-door Chevy Corsica that I spent, I, I, I bought that for $1,000. 
I was, my hard-earned money, $1,000 bagging groceries, man. And, uh, and it wasn't a fast car, but I called it the silver bullet. And, uh, and it was a clean car, man. I had, I, man, I would, I would clean that dash up and vacuum it out. And I had the, the cedar, the little cedar thing hanging from the, the, uh, the rearview mirror, you know what I'm talking about? It smells good. I couldn't roll down the windows because the window would break and it would like, so I had to keep the windows up. Um, but I picked her up and we were going to go out and, and, and have a, a nice dinner. But the thing about my, my silver bullet, the Chevy Corsica, and I don't know if any of you guys have cars like this. Pastor Jeremy had a car similar to this that we just pulled up to a, a stop light or a stop sign and that dude would die every single time. I mean, it would just die. And, uh, and so I'd have to put it in neutral, start the car up. You guys know what I'm talking about. A little bit of a neutral drop. And so I'm driving in that beast, hitting the gas, and I drop it into drive, and, and back wheels, burning rubber and taking off. And the guys next to me are like, what is this guy, you know? And, uh, and of course, I'd throw uh, Laura down into the, uh, the floorboard of the car, which she was already halfway there because she was like, I cannot believe I'm driving in this thing, right? And, uh, and so we would take off and we would drive. Well, this particular night, it had died a couple times on us, and I'm like, it's okay. We're going to get there. And, uh, and in between stoplights, it starts to sputter on me. And it just died. And I'm like, that's, that's new. <laughs> That's new. That hasn't happened before. And so I kind of coast over to the side to this side road, and and I assured her it's gonna it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. And I'm sure she's like, this is insane. I'm never going out with this guy again. And so I pop the hood, and I get up underneath the hood, and I'm like checking wires and stuff, and I got no clue what I'm doing, but I'm acting like I know what I'm doing. And I'm peeking around. Hey, it's all good going to be fine. <laughs> and I'm back underneath and I'm like, Jesus, what am I doing here? And I, and I can't get it, you know, and so, uh, so finally, I, like I can't, I get back in the car and I try to start it and it won't start. And so I have to do uh, the call of shame, the walk of shame that no boyfriend wants to do. I'm like, hey, we should probably call your dad. <laughs> I know. And so we called, I called her dad and he shows up and cause he was a mechanic. And, and so he, he pops the hood and starts looking under the hood. I feel good. I'm like, that's exactly what I did. I was looking under the hood too. And he's kind of twisting around things like, no, that's not it. He gets down on the ground and, and rolls underneath the car. And I said, I didn't do that. I should, maybe I should have done that. And so he gets up underneath the car and he's kind of looking at a couple of different things. And I'm the mechanics in the room. You, you've already got it figured out. So you can diagnose things. Uh, you, you're, you're part of the car, guys. You know what it is. I can tell you exactly what that is. I had no clue. Um, he starts banging on something underneath the car. And there's this hollow sound. Dun, 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 dun. Dan, did you put gas in this car? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, Psh, did I put gas in the car? I did not put gas in the car. It, it was empty, uh, completely empty. I've been running on fumes. But can I just tell you, I have my eyes elsewhere. Like, I wasn't focusing on the dashboard. I was, like, you know, focusing on this pretty lady in the car with me. Uh, but in all reality, um, I was on E. I was on E, and, uh, and so, you know, uh, I, I borrowed 20 bucks from her dad and went and put gas in the car. Uh. <laughs> hey, 22 years later, I'm just saying, 
and it wasn't the silver bullet. I'm just saying, like, you know. Um, anyways, so uh, crazy experience. You know, all of the all the lights on the dash were telling me that that uh, that it was I'm going to run out of gas. Like the needle was on E, but I, I was one of those guys. I can get another 20 miles out of this. You know what I'm saying? Like when it says E, it just means like you know, not empty yet. <laughs> And, uh, and so I would drive it. It's not like these fancy cars nowadays that give you all of the indicators. Like, you know, uh, you've got 20 miles until you're on the side of the road, you know, and it gets down to it, and now it's blinking at you, and, you're, and your chair is vibrating, you know, and, like you need to stop, and it actually takes control and drives you to the gas station. <laughs> oh, I guess I need gas. <laughs> that wasn't this car. Hey, you know, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, as I'm thinking through that story, I'm thinking about our lives, and, and really, um, the question for us all today is, am I living my life on E? Am I living my life on E? Um, my spiritual life, my, my physical life, my emotional life, my relational life, am I just running on fumes? And if I'm totally honest, I'm, I'm telling you today, I, there are many times that I'm just running on fumes. That, uh, that I'm, I'm pulling into the gas station to just like throw five bucks in the tank to get me, to, to get me from A to B. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And, and we just live on, we live on E. And, and as I was just kind of processing through and thinking about that, I was reminded of a, of a story uh, in the book of Acts where um, Peter and John are like walking through and they come up to the, this, this gate called Beautiful. It's one of the, the many gates that people entered into uh, the city of David on. And there was this man sitting by the, the, the side of the, the road there and he was begging uh, for alms and for, for money. And, and they walk by this guy, and he's like, hey, can you give me some cash? Do you, do you have anything for me? And they're like, silver and gold have I none, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And, and, and it just made me think for just a moment that um, I cannot give what I do not have. You may want to write that down. I, I do not, I, I cannot give what I do not have. And here's the scripture. It says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but let's say it together. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. We're trying to give out of our lives something that we don't even have. And, and many times, uh, we're living in many areas of our life, we're on empty, and I'm trying to give out of a tank that's totally empty. And I'm wondering why the relationships are draining to me, and I'm wondering why my job is draining to me, and I'm wondering why it's just difficult for me to get up and get going in the morning, because I'm on E. I'm on E, and I'm, I'm parked on the side of the road. And maybe today is just a little knocking on the, on the old uh, fuel tank, and the Holy Spirit's like, hey... You're on E. You gotta, we got to fill up. we got to take time to fill ourselves up. There's actually four different tanks um, that we're going to talk about just for a few moments, four different tanks in our life that, uh, that we want to continue to be filled on. Uh, the first tank is the spiritual tank. The spiritual tank, like there are times in our lives where we've got to refill. And the beautiful thing I love about Timber Creek Church is two times a year, we do this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'll tell you, every single time I invest that 21 days of prayer, man, I come out full. I just feel like God has filled me up and I'm actually... Uh, 
living my life out of the outflow of my life, not just like out of the bottom of the barrel type. And many of you were involved in 21 Days of Prayer recently. And, and you know, it was cool because we had record number of attendance this year, which tells me something. People are recognizing, man, they need Jesus. They need that time with God. They need a refuel. And the second thing it tells me is that God's up to something. God's, God's up to something. Because when my people will pray, humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, right? The Bible promises that he's going to heal our land. And so we can come with expectation that God is up to something, right? God's up to something. So there's this spiritual tank. And really, all of us, we have this in common. The only way to really fill that tank, that spiritual tank in us, is to make biblical, um, godly rhythms regular in our life. Just prayer and spending time in God's word and spending time in worship. And every single day, you need to be plugging in to the Lord. Uh, the Bible in, in, in John, John says it's like he is, the, uh, um, he is the vine and we are the branches. We can do nothing apart from him, but connected to him, nothing's impossible. So we've got to reconnect with him. The second tank, uh, oh, trust Proverbs chapter 3, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in what? In everything. Do you believe that God wants to speak to you in everything? Yeah, he's got something to say about every part of your life. The invitation is invite him into it. I see what God has to say about it. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Uh, Philippians 4 says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, like pray. Pray about it. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense, I love this, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces, huh, displaces worry at the center of your life. If you're carrying around worry and anxiety, and I'm telling you, there are seasons where I carry around, that's not from the Lord. And God wants to displace that with his presence, right? And we gotta, we gotta find time to, to fill up that spiritual tank. The second tank is the physical tank. Oh boy, he's gonna talk about my diet and exercise. That's fun. Uh, glad I came to church today. No, I don't wanna dive too much into that, but I do wanna say there is a physical tank in us, and there are times that our body is telling us something. Like our body is communicating uh, something to us that something is just not, it's not right. Uh, you're not sleeping well at night. You're, you're, uh, you're having these, these anxiety attacks and our body's telling us something like you need to slow down. I love what uh, this doctor, uh, Sandra Dalton Smith says, none of us are at our best when we're depleted. None of us are at our best when we're depleted. Our bodies can, cannot fully function when they are in a constant fight for excellence high performance, maximum effectiveness, and optimal capacity. The effects of the fight will ultimately be known. It's time to transition from our daily hustle to daily hush. Doesn't that sound good? Like the daily hustle to a daily hush. Well, I ain't got time for that. Well, I'm too busy for that. You better make time. We better prioritize these things, this spiritual. What does it look like for our physical tank to, to, uh, to go empty? Here's, here's a couple of things. Uh, maybe a lack of energy to complete your to-do list. I'm not talking about a honey-do list because that never ends. <laughs> um, lack of energy to complete your to-do list. Um, you feel tired, but you can't sleep. 
Like, you ever get so tired that you can't sleep? Like, I, I lay down to take a nap only to wake up more tired than I was before? Like, that, just a symptom. Uh, maybe you are constantly sick. You're just going from one sickness to the next. Frequent muscle pain and soreness. And I'm like, yeah, that's just part of being old. I'm growing old. And um, I'm just kidding. Uh, dependency on substance for more energy. And I'm, I'm talking to myself like, I love my coffee. I love my coffee. And that, that midday coffee pickup, like, I need. Um, but do you hear my language? Like, I need that. I need that. I got to, um, that, that, that may be a sign that something's not right. Um, a dependency on substance for more rest. We just find ourselves dependent on these things. And I'm just saying that this is evidence that maybe our physical tank uh, is, is just low. There's also an emotional tank. Some of you are just emotionally exhausted. And we come, we come out of, um, of, a, of a season of isolation, a season of sickness, a season where uh, many of us have had to bury uh, loved ones. In the last few years, in the last few years, I've had to to uh, to bury a number of, of parents and loved ones. And can I just be honest with you? Like, I get to a place where I'm just emotionally exhausted. Like, I can't I can't cry any more tears. Or like, like I'm just. I'm exhausted, and, and I think God's word speaks to some of these things. Uh, in Nehemiah 8.10, go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is an invitation to go, go have a meal with somebody, <laughs> you know? Go spend time with, with somebody. Um, this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be deject, dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your Strength And just a little bit of background, for, for Nehemiah, he's rebuilding the wall, and the people he's gathered around him, and they've done this great work, and now they've read the word of God, and there's great conviction on their hearts that things have been out of balance for them. And like all of a sudden, they're just overwhelmed with grief, and, and, and Nehemiah is saying, no, 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 don't grieve about these things. Like, don't, don't be upset. It's a brand new day. Let's celebrate, and let's be full of joy. And I love this Philippians 4.4 verse that says, always be what? Full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. And you know, that word over the last few years has really spoken to me. Um, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it re to rejoice. That's what Paul says in Philippians. And it never occurred to me that there are times where I'm, I'm low on my joy and I need to get to a place where I can re-up my joy. And some of us are we're stuck on these little dopamine fixes like um, any emotional eaters in the house. I, I just get emotional, and that cake makes me happy. <laughs> um, you know, whatever those, that addiction is, and, and we have these little dopamine fixes, and really, at the end of the day, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we've got to find a time where we can re-up and re, uh, get, uh, rejoice together. And you know where we do that best? In Christian community, with other believers. They're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person. But, but when I get around other people that are like uh, experiencing the presence of God and just going through this thing together, that, it helps to re-up my joy. And finally, there's the mental tank. Uh, and, and here's a newsflash for everybody. You, there is a war that's being waged uh, in between your ears. There's a, there's a war in the mind um, that we've got to be aware of, that it's, uh, it's happening constantly and... Uh, and, and we've got to be aware that, that there's a mental drain that takes place, and we've got to be aware. I spoke on this uh, the last time that I spoke, and I talked about, like, have, do you ever sit and think about what you think about? 
You ever th- do you ever sit and think about what you think? Like, what are, what's the kind of stuff that you are just spending mental energy on? What are you ruminating on? What are you thinking about? You know, that rumination, that's a, that's a, that's a word uh, for some of you cattle farmers. You know what I'm talking about. Like, there's this chewing up of and considering and thinking about. And you're chewing and ruminating on worry and anxiety rather than on the word of God. And so there's this thing that's happening in our mind. Listen, this is what the scriptures say. Uh, um, or Craig Rochelle says, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So, so really, if, if, I'm, if I'm concerned about and all of these things and worried about these things, my life is going to steer in that direction. When I'm driving my car sometimes, like, um, uh, like I'm an observer. I like to look around. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like I like seeing the things around me. <laughs> And sometimes I start to veer off of the road, and Laura's like, what are you doing? Are you watching the road? And I'm like, yeah. Get back on the road. And, and really, sometimes that's what our lives are like. And we begin to consider things and, and, and focus on, on different things. Um, here's what the Philippians 4a says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about those things. Romans 12, 2. Uh, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new, new person by changing the way you what? By the way you think. By the way you think. And so there, there are these different tanks in our lives that may, we may just be running on empty, everybody. And we need to fill these tanks up and, and just take in different strategies to fill these tanks up. It's not like we don't value the right things. Like, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm talking to people today that you're valuing the right things. You're like, I value good health. I, I value uh, good relationships. I value good mental health. Um, but here's the real problem. Um, our values don't shape us. Our choices do. You may want to write that down. Our values don't shape us, but our choices do. And it's like we pull up to the proverbial table every single day, and we say to ourselves, you know what, I'll just have the usual. I'll just have the usual. (laughs) And you've been doing the same thing, we've been doing the same thing day in and day out, and something's got to change. Albert Einstein says this, it's it's insanity, and insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Uh, just like I was driving my car and the dashboard was telling me something. The dashboard of our lives is saying, running on E. Listen, the writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall. You guys are familiar with that statement, right? The writing's on the wall. It comes from a story uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Daniel. We're going to get there in just a second. But for the next few moments, I want to talk about, listen, if the writing's on the wall, then we've got to be aware of three warnings and three invitations, Three warnings and three invitations. Uh, three warnings that are going to help us um, in the next few moments from this story in the book of Daniel. And so um, let me give you a little bit of a setup here. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you guys remember the story? Uh, the three men in the fire, and there's a fourth one, and it's Jesus, right? And, uh, and you have Nebuchadnezzar, who's built this big chocolate bunny, right? And then we've got to uh, worship the chocolate bunny. Some of you have never seen Veggie Tales, and I'm sorry. Um, no he's like this king and he's and and we're supposed to bow down and worship and Daniel won't do it right and uh, he's going to honor God and now this now Nebuchadnezzar's son Belshazzar is now in control 
And, uh, and we're invited to attend this very, very bizarre dinner party. Let's read it together, Daniel chapter 5. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar uh, was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Bad idea. Bad idea. Uh, he wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Pause for a second. What's happening? They've thrown a party. They're drinking from these things. Basically, they're, they're, they're uh, thumbing their nose to God, and they're saying, we're going to worship and praise ourselves and pat ourselves on the back for all of the hard work that we've done. These are the idols that we've made. That God, he's no God, but we're going to worship ourselves. It reminds me years ago of a... Um, I have a, a, a story. I was in college. I was working for this fencing company. I had brought my lunch with me that day, and, and, uh, and at lunchtime, we're sitting up underneath a, sh a shade tree, and, uh, and I'm eating my lunch. I, I took a moment, and I just, I just paused to pray over my lunch. And I got done praying. I went to go unwrap my PB&J, and uh, the guy next to me, he says, why do, you, why do you pray over your meal? Kind of in a, in, a, in a sense of disgust, and I said, well, I just want to you know, I believe that everything I have comes from God, and I just, I just kind of want to honor him, you know, in that, and, and it's just, it's something I just like to do, and, and uh, I said, do you not pray over your, your meal, and he says, oh, no, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give thanks to somebody who's done nothing for me. Everything I have has come from my own hands. If anything, I ought to be thanking myself. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, that's not good, <laughs> so I was like scooting over, and, you know, um, <laughs> No, it was just heartbreaking to me, and I just thought, you know, but how many of us, like, like we pat ourselves on the back, you know, all of the hard work that we're doing, and this is kind of what's happening. They've got the, them, themselves together, and they're just kind of patting each other so, the, themselves on the back, eating, eating from these old goblets, uh, the golden goblets and, and plates and stuff, and, and suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. So like Adam's family, hand pops out of the box, you know, <laughs> runs across the counter and starts writing on the wall. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. And the king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to those wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor will have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. Belshazzar, I believe he knew that God was trying to get his attention. And I, and I believe that, that he... He knew what the problem was. He just was unwilling to face the problem. And this, this writing on the wall for him, like this is why he's fearful. He didn't, he didn't think, oh, this is a blessing on the wall. Like this, you know, this is good things are coming. And so he, he, he and his men, they can't figure it out. And his mom steps in. How many of you know, uh, like when mom steps in, right? Mom comes in and says, hey, wait a minute. 
I remember a kid named Daniel. He served my husband. And like he was, he was able to like tell dreams and so like he knows God type stuff. We should probably bring him in. And so they bring him in, and, and Daniel's like, Yeah, I can interpret that for you. Keep the robe and all that kind of stuff. Let me just tell you what I believe that God is trying to say. And so he says, This is what the words mean. On the wall was many, many tekel parson. And he says, Many means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. You have been found wanting, another, tr- another translation says. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Um, bad news, King Belshazzar. Um, not good. And there's three warnings. And I believe even as, as, as old as, as the book of Daniel is, a word of prophecy, there are still words, uh, a prophetic word and warning for us today. And I want to talk about three of these. The first warning is this. Our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. Like uh, more and more, the older I get, the more I realize that my days are numbered. And the, and the day by which uh, I take my last breath here on earth and my first breath in heaven, like I'm, on, I'm just on borrowed breath, everybody. You're just on borrowed breath. At some point, God's going to call that breath out of you again, and you're going to breathe new life on the other side of eternity. And that, those days are numbered. And it's not like when I was a kid where I just felt like I was invincible. And I drove that Chevy Corsica like I was invincible, <laughs> right? And, and now the older I get, I just realize that my days, my days are, are numbered. And, I, and I, I start to think, man, if I could just have more time. But really, uh, the answer is not more time. The answer is not more time. The answer is more of what really matters. The answer is doing what, what really matters. And I think sometimes, man, why do, why do I waste so much time on those things? Waste so much time worrying about that. Waste so much time uh, investing in those things that don't, that don't really matter. The psalmist said in 39, uh, Psalm 39, tell me what's going on, God. What's going on? That's, like an, that's a real song. I know I didn't sing it right, but it's a real song. Um, How long do I have to live? Give me the bad news. You've kept me on pretty short rations. My life is a string too short to be saved. Oh, we're all puffs of air. Oh, we're all shadows in a campfire. Oh, we're just spit in the wind. Thank you, Kansas. That's a band for some of you that don't know. Uh, We make our pile and then we just leave it. It's all just a hill of beans. And I'm not even sure what that means. Like, do people stack up beans and stuff and just, like, walk away from it? Like, it, like it's our lives. It's just a hill of beans, and then we walk away from it. Thank you so much. Uh, Job has an encouraging word for us. My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. Excellent. <laughs> Glad I came to church today. That's positive and encouraging. It just flees away without a glimpse of happiness, right? Warning number two, our lives are out of balance. Our time does not equal what we value. Our time does not equal what we value. And, I, and again, I, I believe we value some great things, but our choices in life just don't show those values. Uh, what are we doing with our time? Are you interested in knowing what you're doing with your time? These are just, I, uh, just some numbers I found. All right, numbers I found. Um, we eat out 20,436 times in our life. That's a lot of eating out, everybody. That's a lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, 
Um, watching TV, we spend 10 years in a lifetime watching television. Good grief. That's a lot of binging on TV, right? Uh, waiting in line, five years. Half of that's at the DMV, right? Um, talk about a waste of time. Like, what are we doing with our lives here? Uh, just waiting in line. I hate to wait in line. I'm, I am one of those guys that I go into Walmart, and I've, I've got my, uh, my basket or my buggy full of groceries, and I'm, and I'm, like, I'm judging you. I'm like, that looks slow. That looks slow. She looks fast, you know, like, and I'm getting into that line, and then I'm regretting. I'm like, oh, I was fooled. Um, I should have checked out myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, Never mind. No. Uh, so this guy walks into the break room at Walmart, and he's just kind of hanging out, <laughs> looking at the board. And one of the employees comes in, and he's like, uh, "What are you doing? Like, you don't belong in here." He says, "Yeah, I do. I'm just taking my break." He said, "Do you do you work here?" And no, but I just bagged my own groceries. <laughs> You're very kind. Uh, we spend nine and a half years playing on our phones. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Social media, 706 hours per year on social media. Video games, 10,000 hours by the age of 21. Wow. Wow. Now, I'm not a video game. I used to be a video game guy. You know, back when video games were cool, you had like, you know, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Nintendo, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Sega Genesis, anybody know? You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, man, the reality, guys, is our values don't shape us, our choices do. It's not necessarily that we value the wrong things in life, but our choices don't match those values. Let me give you some examples of value. We all, we all value debt-free living. I want to live debt-free. I don't want to be a slave to the lender. Um, but our choices, we spend more than we make. It's just reality. Okay, uh, a value, a healthy lifestyle. I want to value a healthy lifestyle, but my choices are poor eating habits. I'm not poking, you know, I'm not poking at you. I'm just saying like our values and our choices. We value vibrant relationships. I want my relationship with my wife to be vibrant and growing, right? And my relationship with my kids as they're growing up and they're getting ready to leave the house, I want them to be vibrant relationships with my kids and not just a, um, boy, I hope you didn't fail at school and I hope you become something great in life, right? Like I want a vibrant relationship. Um, but here's the problem. I have an addiction to virtual reality. Like I spend so much time on, in social media and these other, that, I, that I'm not spending the right time in those things. Uh, I think we value growing in Christ-like character, conduct, and convictions. I really do believe. As a, as a church and as people, we like, we want to, I value that. I want to get to know Jesus. But here's the problem. We don't make room for biblical rhythms. I heard recently uh, a study that the average church attender um, is attending church once every six weeks. Once every six weeks. And that's, the, that's a rhythm. And I, and I will tell you that, that I see a lot of that. Um, as, as a pastor, you know, I, I'm visiting with a lot of you, getting to know you, and, and, uh, and just the rhythms in your life. And I'm just saying, like, increase that by one Sunday, you know? Like, increase that by two Sundays. Start making these biblical rhythms in your life. Um, daily devos, right? Spending time in God's word and, and making, those, uh, th making those choices. Our values don't shape us, but our choices do. Okay, hold on. I know this has been heavy, um, and it's gonna lighten up here in just a second, okay? Uh, as I promise you. Um, but let's talk about warning number three. Our mismanaged lives will cost us uh, 
something. Our mismanaged lives will cost us something, just like the car that I was driving. Um, if I mismanage that vehicle, if I don't change the oil, and I don't put gas in the car, and I don't maintenance the tires, how many of you guys know that's going to cost me something? And that's really kind of how our lives are sometimes. They're just mis. They're just mismanaged. Uh, at the end of the scripture in Daniel chapter 5, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in poor ro uh, purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. I read that a few times, and all of a sudden it occurred to me. Like all of a sudden that night, his enemies attacked and overthrew the kingdom? No, no, no. They'd been planning and scheming all along. They were sitting at the door waiting. And the king and the nobles and the princes and stuff, they had just went about their living, never recognizing that there was an enemy crouching at their door waiting to overtake them. It was just a mismanaged life. You ever get into a situation in your life where it's just all of a sudden things just come down on you and it's like, oh, these small decisions that I've been making all along the way have now, what, they've caught up with me. Mismanaged life. Luke says it this way, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day come upon you, what? Suddenly, like a trap. So three warnings, three warnings. Now, let's talk about uh, three invitations, three invitations. So three warnings. I get it, Dan. I get it, Pastor Dan. Like, I, time, is, time is short, right? And, and my life is out of balance. Okay, okay. And, and my mismanagement of my life is going to cost me something. I get that. So, so is there any good news? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's simply a better way. There's simply a better Way. One of my favorite scriptures, Matthew chapter 11, says this. Are you tired? Are you wore out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-feeling on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? Beautiful invitation. So we started with this bizarre dinner, uh, dinner party <laughs> uh, in the book of Daniel, and we're going to move and close uh, with this dinner party, um, intimate setting at Mary and Martha's house and Jesus. And um, and we're going to see some, some invitations from the Lord. Um, Luke chapter 10, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha was the jittery type. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I can't sit still. I'm, I got to be doing something. I got to be at something. Just ask my wife. Like I, uh, before we leave the house, I've got five other things that I need to get done before I walk out the door. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And she's like, just get in the car. Okay, okay, okay. Right after I change the, the laundry <laughs> or whatever it is. 
Um, so she's the jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. Pause. Like we, can, we could get upset with Martha and say, well, yeah, Jesus is in your house. What are you doing? Like, uh, but she's preparing and there's nothing wrong with preparation. There's nothing wrong with having these priorities of, of, of doing the, the right things at the right time. Um, but that wasn't the time. That, that, that wasn't the right time. And, and she came to Jesus and said, sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work? Do you kind of hear that a little bit of a like, uh, tinge in her, in her voice? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all of these details. Isn't God just so gracious to us? Oh, Dan, boy, you are upset about a lot of things. You are concerned about a lot of things, aren't you, my friend? Don't you, like, can you just tell them to fix it? Just get it right? Oh, Dan, just... Calm down. It's good. You're going to be all right. There is really only one thing worth concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. So Jesus invites us to a better way. The first invitation is this. Be present in the moment. Listen, I, I really believe the next few moments as I talk about these invitations, if you could grab a hold of one of these things, it will change your life. Be present in the moment, put the phone down, ask good questions, take good notes, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus, like, I'm guilty of this. Many times in a, in a relationship or conversation, I'm, I'm bent to, to look towards what's wrong in the situation and not what's right. And it's amazing how if Jesus will change our perspective, how we can see the good in things. You hear me this morning? Like we can see those things, and, and it's really it being present in the moment, um, asking good questions. So a good question, hey, how are you today? That's a good question. But there's maybe a better question, like what's on your mind? What's on your mind? So being present in the moment is, just, is not just passing by, hey, how are you today? Hey, what's happening? What's up? You know? Um, like actually being concerned and, and like wanting to know what's happening in somebody's life. A good question might be, what's up? What's up? A better question is, what are you learning right now? Hey, what are you learning right now? What challenge are you going through? A good question. Um, what were you thinking? <laughs> Parents, saying to your kids, what were you thinking? You weren't thinking, obviously. Um, Maybe a better question is, hey, how can I help? How can I help? Just asking good questions, a good question. Hey, what's your name? What's your name? My wife would tell you, I, I make friends everywhere. I just do. I like, you know, I make friends at the gas station, at the Walmart. I, I just do. Um, I want to know people and I want to know their stories. Like, I want to take time to do that. I'm interested in those things. And, and asking good questions, uh, what's your name? But maybe a better question is, tell me your story. Tell me your story. How cool would it be if we were a church that went beyond just the simple basic questions of what's up and what's going on and how you doing? How's your day? You busy? I'm busy too, right? Um, like to, to really get into each other's lives and, hey, man, tell me your story. Man, what's, what's weighing heavy on your mind right now? Just asking some good questions. So being present in the moment, the, the second invitation is invest in the most important things. Invest in the most important things. And I find that many times we're investing in things that are good, 
It's, it's good stuff, but it's, but it's not the most important stuff. And I find that there is no innocent yes in life. There's no innocent yes in life. When I say yes to one thing, I'm actually saying no to, to other things. And just a shift in priorities. And, and when you say yes to a certain thing, just, just think, think about it. What are the, the priorities that are shifting in my life? And if I'm saying yes to something, that's, that's not an innocent yes. There's, there's obligations and stuff that come with that. Saying no to good things so that you can say yes to the best things. And the final invitation is this. Spend time in God's presence and hear God's voice. At the end of the day, Jesus said to Martha, hey, Mary's chosen something that's, that's incredibly valuable and it's not gonna be taken from her. And there's a lot of stuff that we can invest in life, invest in, in life, and it's gone. In just a second, it's gone. But if we'll choose to really spend time with God, that's investment that's not taken from us. And I really believe that Mary understood that. I believe she understood that her time with Jesus was coming to a close. And she needed to spend time with him. And I'm just saying like, and I hope you hear my heart today, there is, there is a heaviness on me recognizing that our days are short. The days are short. It feels like they're long and it feels like I'm gonna be here forever and I plan for retirement and I'm planning for these, but I'm just telling you there's a sense in my heart that the days are numbered. Like, and we're spending time on things that don't matter and Jesus is inviting us, invest in the things that matter the most, sit at my feet, listen to my word, engage in the things of the kingdom of God and not just the kingdoms of this world. Are you hearing me today? Like, there's an invitation and there's a, there's a warning that's out there. So, so how do I do this? How do I spend time with God? Three easy things as we close. First one is connect with him daily connect with him daily. And we've got some tools and stuff for you. At the end of the service, uh, we've got some Bibles and journals for those that maybe you're starting a relationship for the first time. Um, if you're looking to take a next step and you just need prayer, listen, we want to encourage you. It's a daily walk with God. In the book of Genesis, it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. And just waking up every single day and spending a few moments just to focus our hearts and our minds and fill those tanks up. Jesus, I offer all of these tanks to you and I just pray that you would fill me up so that I can minister in my life out of the outflow and not just out of the vapors, the bottom of the tank. Are you hearing me today? Like, let's do, let's do that. Connect with God daily. Unplug from the world weekly. That's what we're doing here today. You make a Sabbath day a regular rhythm in your life, and you say, you know what? I cannot miss a day from connecting with God's people. I cannot miss that. That is priority to me. Work will be there on Monday, I promise. But I'm gonna invest that one day a week, and I'm gonna say, God, I'm spending this time with you. I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna worship and I'm gonna spend time in the word and I'm gonna be encouraged by those around me and I'm, I'm gonna wrestle with some things and God's gonna challenge me on some things but I'm gonna welcome that. I'm gonna put myself in a situation where I can receive from him every single week. And the third one is recalibrate your life annually. And I'm, I'm one of those, I really believe that every single year we ought to take some time and just say, God, where am I at with you? You know, you've heard us say this before, uh, give us a year of your life. Trust the process and God will transform you from the inside out. There is something to be said about coming back once a year and saying, God, have I grown closer to you? Am I more confident in who you are? Do I know who you are in me? Am I less worried and less filled with anxiety and more filled with faith and prayer and trust in you for these things, God? And just taking time to really sit back and reevaluate and recalibrate our lives. We've got to do that on a regular basis 
basis. Revelation chapter three, and we'll close. It says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and, we're sh- and we will share a meal together as friends. That doesn't sound like the God who is sitting up at heaven with his arms crossed, tapping his toe, ready for you to get your proverbial ducks in a row. That sounds like a God who's inviting you today. Hey, I've been knocking on the door of your heart for a long time. Invite me in. And here's the cool thing. We'll invite him in, and we don't have to prepare a meal for him. Like, he prepares the meal for us, and then we are his guest. Isn't that incredible? The kindness and the goodness of our God. So he's knocking on your heart today. And I want you to invite him, and he wants you to invite him in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment today? You're here for a reason. It's not by accident. The pounding in your chest, the conviction in your heart, you know that God's speaking. And maybe it's a reminder today. Maybe God's just reminding, hey, hey, it's been a little bit. But maybe it's for the first time. He's been knocking for years. Somebody's been praying for years. And it's time for you to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm going to open the door and invite you in. Come in to the mess that's me. Come into the stew that's you. <laughs> like, I invite you in. I don't have to get it all cleaned up before you want to come in. I'm inviting you into my heart and into my life. It's a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. You did what you said you did. I want to put my faith and trust in you. I'm giving my life to you. Maybe that's you today, and you would just say by a raise of hand, yeah, Pastor Dan, that's me. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to invite Jesus. I'm answering the door today. I'm inviting Jesus to come in. Go ahead and put your hand up so we can be praying for you. All over the room, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. All over the room. They're in Nacogdoches. They're at Dieball and Duncan. Uh, Those of you online indicating, yeah, for the first time or the first time in a long time, I hear Jesus knocking, and I'm going to invite him in, and he wants to come in and do what only he can do. Jesus, thank you for those that raised their hands today. God, thank you. Thank you for their obedience. Thank you for their vulnerability. Thank you, God, that you're going to come in and do what only you can do as they invite you in to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. Now, maybe you're here today, and and you would say, you know what? I'm running on E, and I just recognize that today. Some things are out of balance for me. I've been mismanaging my life a little bit, and and this is a reminder today from God that there's an invitation to do things different. It's a different different way. It's a better way. If you would just lift your hand all over the building this morning and say, you know what? That's me. I've been living on E. I've been running on fumes, and I need Jesus to show me a better way. Jesus, thank you that you do show us a better way, that you are here uh, this morning, and you're inviting us, Lord, to, to take your hand and to walk with you to not be worried or tired or full of anxiety. And Jesus, you're going to help, help us see uh, the rhythms of grace, the unforced rhythms of grace in our life. And help us today, God, as, as we take your word into our lives, transform us from the inside out, help us to go out into our world and make a difference in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.